Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1. Woe to those decreeing decrees of iniquity and writers who have prescribed perverseness. This is talking about the apostasy in Judah that has caused the Lord to judge Judah and send the Assyrians to conquer it. People were making regulations in the land that promoted paganism. We have that in Western nations today, regulations that promote sin. And writers were writing perverse revelations and perverse prophecies. We also have that today. 2. To turn aside from judgment and to take violently away the judgment of the afflicted of my people, that widows may be their prey, that the fatherless they may spoil. Today there are false prophets on the internet and around the world who are taking advantage of people by telling them that they have to give them their money, and all of this makes the ministry of the false prophet even richer. People who are lonely, single women, and people who never had a father get caught up in this, and they're easily controlled. 3. And what do ye at a day of inspection, and at desolation? From afar it cometh, near whom do ye flee for help, and where do ye leave your honor? The Lord tells the people of Judah and Israel, When I come and investigate your sins, what are you going to say for yourself, and where are you going to hide? We really should be afraid of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is holiness, and it's biblical. Today, churches are telling us that God is love, and their definition of love is that God is a doormat, and he would never do anything to upset us. But the opposite is true. God is almighty, and he's holy, and he will punish us to convince us that we should repent. If we refuse to fear his power and authority, he will make us fear it. For without me it hath bowed down in the place of a bound one, and in the place of the slain they fall. With all this not turned back hath his anger, and still his hand is stretched out. Even when Judah falls, the Lord still will be angry with Judah. The one thing that always causes God to stop being angry is when we repent. This means that even when Judah falls, Judah will not repent of its sins, and still his hand is stretched out. The stretched out hand of God is always the hand of war. 5. Woe to assure, a rod of mine anger, and a staff in their land is mine indignation. The Lord always turns on his instruments of wrath after he's done using them. And that's why you never ever want to be an instrument of the Lord's wrath, because it's a sin to torment and hurt others. Even if God uses it to get that person to repent, that doesn't mean he's happy with the one who did the tormenting. In this next segment of the chapter, it's going to describe how much the Lord hates the Assyrian army. God can use something that he hates. He's going to use them to discipline Judah, but he hates that army because the Assyrians are practicing paganism as well. Now you might ask yourself, why does God punish his own people first? And it's because they should know better. The people of Judah had the law, they had the promises, they had all the miracles in their history, and yet they were practicing paganism. So the Lord punished them first using the pagans to do it, and then the Lord punishes the pagans. 
because the pagans weren't his people. The same is true today with the church and the world. The church will be judged first. 6. Against a profane nation I send him, and concerning a people of my wrath I charge him, to spoil spoil, and to seize prey, and to make it a treading place, as the clay of out places. A treading place is a place where you cannot have a farm. The soil is no good, it's just clay. He wants the Syrian army to turn Israel into a land of clay, so to speak. 7. And he, he thinketh not so, and his heart reckoneth not so, for to destroy is in his heart, and to cut off nations not a few. Even though the Assyrian army is going to be used for God's glory, they're not actually doing it with the motivation of glorifying the Lord. They're just opportunists. They see a chance to pounce on Judah, and they're going to do it for themselves. What they should do is repent of their own sins and glorify the Lord in the battle. And then he would have had mercy on the Assyrians, but they won't. They don't realize that it's the Lord that's strengthening them and sending them against Judah. So they're going to give themselves arrogant credit for what they do. 8. For he saith, Are not my princes altogether kings? 9. Is not Kalno as Karshemesh? Is not Hamath as Arpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus? The Samarians are going to arrogantly say to themselves, Our kings and princes aren't better than those of Judah. And just as we destroyed Karshemesh and Arpad and Damascus, we will also destroy Kalno and Hamath and Samaria. Those are the locations that are in the land of Israel. 10. As my hand hath got to the kingdoms of a worthless thing, and their graven images greater than Jerusalem and than Samaria. 11. Do I not, as I have done to Samaria and to her worthless things, so do I to Jerusalem and to her grievous things. Again, the Assyrians will say to themselves, We have taken down the idols of other nations we didn't like, and we're going to take down the idols of Judah. And Assyria is going to say, We have conquered greater nations than Israel, and that's why they'll be easy to take out. 12. And it hath come to pass, when the Lord doth fulfill all his work in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, I see concerning the fruit of the greatness of the heart of the king of Ashur, and concerning the glory of the height of his eyes. Isaiah is saying, The Lord is giving me a prophecy of what he's going to do to the Assyrians because of their pride. 13. For he hath said, By the power of my hand I have wrought, and by my wisdom, for I have been intelligent, and I remove borders of the peoples, and their chief ones I have spoiled, and I put down as a mighty one the inhabitants, and my hand as to a nest getteth to the wealth of the peoples, and as a gathering of forsaken eggs all the earth I have gathered, and there hath not been one moving wing, or opening mouth, or whispering. This is the words of the Assyrian people. They're going to talk themselves up and say, We are so awesome because we're so smart. We removed the borders of Judah and we are spoiling the land just as easy as it is to take eggs out of a bird's nest. And nobody can say anything to us. All the people of Judah are just standing there gaping.
they're puffing themselves up and they don't realize that the only reason that they were able to go to Judah was because the Lord sent them and empowered them to go. You know, self-made people aren't self-made at all. They're just arrogant. And they don't give credit where credit's due. They don't realize that it's the Lord who set them up with an education and a good job and a nice neighborhood to live in. They give themselves credit for all of that. The Assyrian army isn't going to thank the Lord. 15. Now this is the Lord speaking to the Assyrian army. Doth the axe glorify itself against him who is hewing with it? Doth the saw magnify itself against him who is shaking it? as a rod waving those lifting it up, and as a staff lifting up that which is not wood. The Lord says to the Assyrian army, You guys are a tool that I have used. How can you glorify yourself over me, because I'm the one who controls you? 16. Therefore doth the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness, and under his honor he kindleth a burning as the burning of a fire. So he's going to make the Assyrian army very hungry, and he's going to consume them in his holy fire. And he is the Lord of angel armies. That's what Lord of hosts means. 17. And the light of Israel hath been for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. And it hath burned and devoured his thorn and his briar in one day. His holy one is his son, his right hand, and that is Jesus Christ. So Jesus, he's all throughout the Old Testament. He's just not in bodily form, except perhaps the time when Abraham spoke to him under the tree, just before Sodom and Gomorrah was wiped out. His flame is going to devour the Assyrian army in one day. 18. And the honor of his forest and his fruit fulfilled, from soul even unto flesh he doth consume and it hath been as the fainting of a standard-bearer. When a soldier holds a flag too long, and then his knees buckle and he faints, and he just falls flat on his face, the Lord says that's what's going to happen to the Assyrian army. When I'm done with them, they're going to burn, and they're going to fall flat on their faces. The Lord is using all of us for his own glory. So we shouldn't be proud if we're good looking or if we're intelligent or if we're a teacher or a preacher or somebody who prays for people and they get healed. None of that is cause for arrogance because he can cause a donkey to do the same thing. He can cause a rock to cry out and teach the people if that's what he wants to do. It isn't because of us that he chose us to have different gifts and do different ministries. The Lord could have turned a rock into a beautiful angel. And for all we know, that's how Lucifer started out. So none of us should take credit for anything. 19. And the rest of the trees of his forest are few, and a youth doth write them. 20. And it hath come to pass in that day the remnant of Israel and the escaped of the house of Jacob do not add any more to lean on its smiter and have leant on Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, it's likening the Holy One to truth. It says the Assyrian army will be few and they'll only have boys to write their history because their men will be dead. And when the Assyrian army is destroyed, that's when the Israelites will finally repent, after they have seen not only themselves get destroyed, but also seen their enemies get destroyed. 
That's when they'll finally be humble. 21. A remnant returneth, a remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty one. A remnant of faithful people means a small percentage of faithful people. If you're in a church where there's a lot of false doctrine, don't be led and swayed by the crowd. Seek out the remnant. The Holy Spirit will help you find them, and those are the people who you should listen to and learn from. 22. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant doth return of it, a consumption determined, overflowing with righteousness. So at some point, the Israelites will be able to return. This happened over and over in history. They got driven out of the land and they returned. At one point, Egypt took over Israel. At two different points, Babylon took over Israel. Here it's talking about the Assyrians taking over Israel, which is the same thing as Babylon. And then Jesus came after hundreds of years of Israel not having a king. And then after Jesus, Jerusalem was destroyed again. And then later on, the Israelites came back to Israel in the 1940s. So it's just these oscillating waves of the history of Israel, but they always come back at some point. 23. For a consumption that is determined, the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, is making in the midst of all the land. Consumption is when your body feeds on itself and dies, and you waste away. Consumption and starvation are pretty much the same thing, because when you starve, your body eventually will have to eat its own organs to keep you alive longer, and after it's done eating up your organs, then you're really dead. So he's going to make the land have famine at some point. 24. Therefore thus said the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, Be not afraid, my people, inhabiting Zion, because of Asher, with a rod he doth smite thee, and his staff lifteth up against thee in the way of Egypt. 25. For yet a very little, and the indignation hath been completed, and mine anger by their wearing out. The Lord says to this remnant who will remain faithful and not practice paganism, you'll be in the midst of war and terror, but I'm going to take care of you as individuals because you obey me. Meanwhile, the other people of Judah are going to be wiped out, but you're still going to be alive, so don't be afraid, because when the Assyrians take over your land, it will only be for a short time, and I'm going to sustain you and protect you in that time. So Christians, we don't need to be afraid of World War III or the Tribulation or whatever we have to go through. We don't have to be afraid of any new laws against Christians practicing their faith because the Lord will take care of us in the midst of chaos and destruction. Keep the faith and keep obeying the Lord and He will sustain you in the midst of the whole world coming apart. The things we go through in life are always temporary. It might be a long temporary, but it's temporary. 26. And awakening for him is Jehovah of hosts, a scourge like the smiting of Midian at the rock Oreb, and his rod is over the sea, and he hath lifted it in the way of Egypt. Gideon had victory over the Midianites at a location that was called the rock of Oreb, and in the last chapter, the Lord also mentioned Gideon. So Gideon is a metaphor for what the Lord is going to do for Israel 
after Israel repents of its sins. The Lord will get victory over the Assyrian army and Israel's enemies. This metaphor also likens the defeat of the Assyrians to Moses lifting his rod over the sea so that the waters would part and the Israelites could pass through. It'll be a type of spiritual baptism where the remnant in Judah will pass through this terror and hard time and they will survive and it's the Assyrian army that will drown in the sea, so to speak. 27. And it hath come to pass in that day, turned is his burden from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and destroyed hath been the yoke because of prosperity. The Lord says, the Assyrians are going to basically use you as slaves, they're going to take advantage of you, they're probably going to make you pay taxes on everything that you grow, or they may have you working for them, but I am going to break that yoke off of your neck so that you will be free again and prosperous, and you'll be able to keep everything that you grow for yourselves. 28. He hath come in against Ioth, and hath passed over into Migron at Michmash. He looketh after his vessels. Starting in this verse 28, the Lord is describing the path that the Assyrian army will take through Judah. First it's going to start at the town of Ioth. And then it's going to go to Migron and Michmash. And this is a way that we can know that the prophecy is true because it's historically factual. The people of his time can actually mark the events so that they know how much longer they have to endure it. 29. They have gone over the passage. Geba, they have made a lodging place. Trembled hath Ramah. Gibeah of Saul fled. They're going to go to Geba. Rama and Gibeah. 30. Cry aloud with thy voice, daughter of Galim. Give attention, Laish. Answer her, Anathoth. So then they'll hit the town of Galim, then the town of Laish, then the town of Anathoth. And that includes all the surrounding villages. So he's showing the literal pattern that this army will take which is very gracious to the remnant who are obeying him. They basically have a news flash telling them what to expect. 31. Fled away hath Madmena. The inhabitants of the high places have hardened themselves. People who live in Madmena will run and hide, but those who worship the gods in the hills will have stiff necks, and they'll be arrogant and think that maybe they can fight the Assyrians, but they'll be wrong. 32. Yet today, in Nob to remain, wave its hand doth the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. The Assyrians will not make it into the city of Jerusalem. That's where the Lord will stop them, because that's his holy city, and he won't allow them to defile his city. Historically, this is the location where the Lord kills 185,000 of the Assyrians in one day. We read about that in the books of Kings and Chronicles, where Isaiah was first mentioned. 33. Lo, the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, is lopping a branch with violence, and the high of stature are cut down, and the lofty are become low. He's going to trim the tree of Judah and Israel, and he's going to cut off all the stuck-up branches, all the branches that think that they're better than God and that they don't have to obey his commands. They're going to get chopped off just like a branch getting chopped off of a tree. 
34 And he hath gone round the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon by a mighty one falleth. Lebanon is known to be a very luscious and strong forest of trees. This is a metaphor of the Lord saying he's going to strike down the trees of Lebanon, meaning he's going to strike down everybody in Judah who is proud and strong and mighty, all of the rich elites. Those are the people he's going to take out. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 10.